Welcome back to the Papa Demand Podcast. I'm your host, Jay. And you know what we do. We give you our t- uh, takes on basketball, music, and everything in between. This is episode 61 of okay. the Papa Demand Podcast. Now, yes, it is. before we go any further, Elon, not, did you actually listen, listen to the I didn't listen for it. I didn't listen to it for the enjoyment of Iggy Azalea. I'm not necessarily you, an Iggy Azalea fan. I listened to it for the pure thought of, wow, I wonder if this is going to be better than Nas's album. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. Listen to the Lost Tapes 2. The beginning of the album did sound like a clusterfuck. And I was like, man, I don't know what Nas is doing. There was like one or two songs. I like, okay, this sounds like Nas. But he wasn't really saying anything on the track. Then like the latter half was actually like really smooth. I'm like, okay, this is what and I was going to expect from the Lost Tapes 2 plus album. Minus the entire way through. Yeah. While Nas was oh, okay. all over the place. And it is just hilarious. <laughs> but we're not going to talk about Iggy Azalea album today. Or ever. Or possibly ever. We're not going to talk about uh, Lost Tapes 2 this week either. We'll probably talk about that next week. What we are talking about this week is finally we're going to have a proper review from Bandana. I've been wanting to talk about this album for weeks, but because of things with free agency, as far as Kawhi Leonard becoming a Clipper and uh, what's the Westbrook, Chris Paul, Trey, have not been able to talk about it. So Freddie Gibbs, Mad Lib released their second collab project together, Bandana, uh, about I think it's about like 14, 13 songs long. And in a year with a bunch of uninspired rap releases. In a year where we have hyped up a lot of releases, like kind of like Lost Tapes 2, and it just seemed to always fall short. While not, I'll bite maybe not being mid or even bad, it just don't seem to rise to the occasion. We've been, we have been mentally preparing ourselves for Bandana for almost a year. Ever since we got Pinata and they said we're going to get another album. We've been mentally preparing ourselves for this. And I just have to say, I, after seeing all these fuck-ups this year, it feels so good to actually hear Bandana and say that it actually met the expectations set forth for them. This is the album of the year for me. This is easily the best album I've listened to. There's no, hmm, uh, I got it got to grow on me, or hmm, maybe I'll like this track more in the future, or hmm, I see he was going, so I'll give him brownie points for it. And there's no talking myself into any of the songs on the album. I genuinely liked or loved every single song from beginning to end. How'd y'all guys feel? Uh, I think it was a, I think it was a great album. I, I like, I like Freddie's style of very uh, straightforward. He's very straightforward. While Mad Lib is giving you a lot, a lot of different sounds, a lot of different samples, and I definitely loved sample heavy music this year. I will say though, I still have a uh, Benny. On top of plugs I met, but Bandana, if you made that argument, I'm not going to argue down the Bandana's album. No, plugs. The plugs I met was an awesome album, so I'm not going to. I'm not too mad, but I'm too mad at you for um actually putting it above it. But going with you saying like about Gibbs is, it feels like Gibbs elevated himself on this project, where it seems like you said straightforward style, or it seems like he was just. It seems like he evolved as a rapper. Because Gibbs is switching his flows every other um, every other song or even like mid song to match all the crazy chaotic things that Mad Lib is doing 
on, on when he when the when, when the sample or the beat switch halfway through, Gibbs might have like a rapid fire like that um that triplet flow. He, he like he's been using a lot lately, kind of like on Crime Pays, and then like halfway through the song, he'll slow it down and be like a lot more deliberate. And it's not like he has. It's not like he has like these crazy double entendres or anything like that. A lot of times, these stuff he say is just hard hitting, kind of like uh, on Crime Page when he say niggas be fucking these hoes and say fucking insurance and doctor visits. To me, I on this album, that's crazy. Like, I know a lot of niggas like that. He's like J Rock with like a with like a nice dunk package, like like <laughs> it's like you know what you want to get. I, I, I completely he, understand what you're but saying. But he has some flair in there. It's like oh shit, and he's doing just enough different each time. It actually moves. Yeah, it's like it's like sometimes J Rock can get a little static and get a little boring. We just listen to a whole project, but I never got bored with Bandana at all. And that's because, like you said, uh, J Rock doesn't have that versatility as like an MC where he has like multiple different flows, where he doesn't have like multiple different uh, cadences. Like even even like it's not even, it's even like the emotion that um. Freddie Gibbs puts into his music, like the way he uses his voice, and like it's not like he distorts his voice like Kendrick Lamar, but you can feel like the urgency and like just how distraught he was, like on fake names where he was, he was talking about how um he was right about his past, like while plugging fake names in for all the real people, and like the, and his flow just sounds real paranoid, and he just sounds like real real agitated while he's rapping, like that's the kind of, that's the little nuances that Freddie Gibbs does on this album that makes it so great to me because not he's not just rapping like he's not just like static like he's not just conveying one emotion you can feel what freddie gibbs is feeling on uh fake names or you can feel how angry he is on like on flat tummy t when he's talking about knocking um white jesus off his white horse and talking about how uh black people and stuff have been exported in america and all that stuff that's another thing too about this album is on the topic of like people have been saying that all these rappers rap about the same thing like freddie gibbs only rap about making cocaine like he how he plugs in historical references and how he's talking about the exploitation of black people in america while talking about how jesus is actually black and while intermingling it talking about moving you know moving at work and stuff of that nature like he does that all throughout the album so like even the subject matter from song to song while the overarching theme might be him like i'm selling drugs and stuff he he provides like random you know context of the things that are going around in the outside world like he said the same day he got arrested the same day obama got put in office which is ironic because you know you know when people when obama got put in office a lot of black people thought like oh things gonna be different black people get treated differently and stuff like that and, you know so him you know breaking down i'm still saying cocaine nothing changed after obama got in office and it's stuff like that i'm like man this is some superb writing like this is writing I didn't think that Freddie Gibbs was capable of. Yeah. I thought he was just a cocaine rapper, a rapper who could just rap about cocaine. I didn't think he was capable of these fine nuances, being able to um, bring in the outside world and related to what's going on in his world, while also being able to adapt to any beat, any crazy ass beat that Mad Libs throws in front of him. And all of these samples on this album, which is which is gorgeous, from them reusing the Mercy beat. I can't remember what was, it was the second half of what song it was, but um, but them reusing the Mercy beat from them using uh that sample on Pomp Olive, that gorgeous soul sample in the background singing, and they reused oh, no, the beat that Kanye did for Nas on Nas Zero on Education. Bonjour. No, yeah, uh, yeah, on Bonjour, like they reused that um sample. Oh yeah, on Education with 
Uh, there you go. <laughs> featuring Yasin Bay. Word to most stuff. Yeah, I, I, I got to start calling by his song. The name he's asked to call him yeah. by. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think Black Thought was on that song. And that's another thing, he too. Like, the features on this album were just superb from... Dan Duck, no phase. No. No, Freddie Gibb had Black Thought, Push It. No, he was on tracks with Black Thought, Push It T, Yasin Bay, and I know I'm forgetting yeah. the. Other I, I think I am. Oh yeah, Killer Mike, but he wasn't an actual rap feature. But it's fact, but it's the fact that all these, I feel like all these rappers turned in some superb, some superb um, verses individually, and it doesn't feel like any of them like just completely outshone the others. Yeah. Pussy came dangerously close on Palm Olive. Like that nigga was snapping. He he was he was in his bag. That's, that, when we do the Pop of Demand Awards, that might I, think, I might put uh, that up for um, when you versus earlier you said uh you thought he was just gonna be like a cocaine rapper. I think that like the the arrest situation that he had in Austria, the sexual assault situation where he couldn't yeah. leave the country. I think that that once you go through that, you have to get a little bit more thoughtful and you have to get a little bit more political with things. And I was like really surprised, like when Freddie dropped the album last year, I really thought we were going to get that talk on there and like the, the Obama talk there, but it just didn't come. So this is the album that I feel like was supposed to have come <laughs> no. already in the last three years since that little situation that he had. But see, he was playing on those albums twice. like um, yeah. you, you Only Live, um, I think it's like You Only Live Twice. I think that was the name of that. Yeah, on that project, Freddie was like him, kind of like crooning and singing. Like he kept, he like every time he released, he was like, yeah, these aren't the serious releases. Bandana coming soon, and like hearing those projects, I was kind of worried because I'm like, okay, this nigga ain't doing nothing but crooning on Freddie. What if he does this shit on, uh, what if he does this shit on Bandana? And then you know, you, you only live twice. I'm like, okay, these all sound like freestyles. What if he just do this shit on Bandana? But no, he's more his words and lyrics are so well thought out on these projects from the writing and how he takes it his narrative his storytelling the storytelling is so superb on this project it was, what was that song oh, he was I, I can't remember what it was but even then like so what chord it's on honor to me i think it was practice i think yeah 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 and we was talking about his um, relationship with his baby mama you know his daughter and all this stuff and then like like situations because the thing is he's just rapping but he's and I, he's not switching his flows, but he even had like that sing-songy, you know, melodic. And it didn't type feel song. forced. Yeah, I throw it in there. <laughs> yeah, it didn't feel forced, and it didn't feel. It was on situations that he did that. It didn't feel forced, and he didn't overdo it. It wasn't overbearing. He wasn't reaching for notes he can't hit. He stayed in a close range, and it kept and it kept the song from feeling um, dry. And because you know, album was so with nothing but rappers, you got to be able to do that kind of stuff. All the hooks were catchy. And vibrant, there. I feel I catch myself repeating them in my head all the time, like from Flat Tummy T, uh, oh, Crime Pays. Oh, that, yeah, that's simple. On Crime Pays, it's amazing. Like, shout out to Mad Lit. I ain't talking much about, about him in this review, but like the instrumentation, the production on this album is top notch. It's crazy because he said, I think he said he made all this on the iPad, like, he produced his entire album on the iPad. And that's just amazing. Talk to your flicks, yeah, we're in the future now, and Freddie. And I would say what Freddie just sounds so at home on these beats. Like he doesn't there's there's never it doesn't it's kind of like when like a rapper freestyles and like they give you like a cue card like you know you have the cue cards up to keep you know knocking off balance like hey all right include this word in your freestyle. It's like Mad Lib is doing it throughout the course of the album like he's like giving him a beat here and he's like 
it's like real slow and then like halfway through it'll speed it up and then like halfway through he'll like add layers and layers to the um the song and like so the song is increasingly becoming more complex and the whole time freddie's like just switching up the flow to match every little thing that that's what made little throws at him it's that's what made it great to me i can talk I'm about this album for the entire album. Yeah, i'm gonna say this i agree with you this is the best album this year but what I like the most about it, I'm gonna say this with every other project that didn't drop this year, is everybody working with people that they used to working with. Is everybody work, you know, like work, like they're finding a lane and they sticking with it. What I really like about this album is that not only is Fred, not only did Freddie give rapper, and then he proved to us that he that he should be considered as an elite artist, but this album felt like a challenge to me. Every song felt like he was mad up saying. Do you really think you was good as everybody else? Prove it to me. Okay, you snapping on this beat. I'm gonna add something else to it. All right, talk about this. Talk about this. Like every single song, it like it felt like you. It felt like he was competing. It almost yeah. it, felt, it felt like a sport. Like, and it's not a lot of albums. It's not a lot of rappers that just still rap like that. And every song, it felt like he either he was fighting against whoever he on a song with. He fighting against the beat. He trying to beat his last record. And to me, I think that's what made it so great. Because every single song felt like a challenge. It didn't feel like it was just him in the studio. Like, ah, oh, man, let me go ahead and do these six songs, you know. I mean, like, like even listen to Flat Tommy T. Like, he at the end of the song, he just spazzed. And he was like, oh, wait, my phone went off. I've got to put an airplane on. Like, you can, re- you can really tell. Like, he was really focused. Like, he was really, like, he really was working. And I, I yeah, like, yeah, like, he was really in his own. And I enjoyed it. Now, using the song. And people got to put some respect on Freddie Gibbs' name. I always, I respect him after hearing Pinata and like other releases and like him skits versus on other songs, like I was late to Freddie Gibbs, but I'm all here now. You can't you can't say shit about Freddie Gibbs to me ever again. But that leads me to the first real question of the evening: Ooh. Is Freddie Gibbs a Ooh. better rapper than MF Doom? Freddie Gibbs? <laughs> I think I think somebody asked. <laughs> I think somebody asked Freddie Gibbs that. I think he said I don't know if somebody asked him. I can't remember how that argument started on Twitter. I think Freddie said it, and then like somebody wrote an article, and then he like reshared it, you know, and like showing, and then he was like, you know, is Freddie Gibbs a better rapper than MF Doom? I absolutely think he is. So Freddie Gibbs really think he is better than MF Doom. Do you guys? Yeah, man, I it? do, I do. Don't get me wrong, MF Doom legend. You know, he rocked the mask. He one of the most elite lyricists ever. Doritos, Cheetos, Fritos, all that. But if you put a gun in my head and you saying who you want to listen to more, who do you think is better? Who you think can beat who on the freestyle battle? I'm going for it to give you ten times out of ten. I'm about to say I don't. I don't think I could call MF Doom. I don't think I could call Freddie Gibbs a superior rapper to MF Doom because MF Doom just like his rhyme schemes. Doom don't be making sense sometimes uh, though. Just the patterns. Exactly. He can be rapping. Oh, okay. I'm gonna Some, say this. Yeah, sometimes I put him in the Eminem category. They can rap really well, but not coordinated. Like they just be going and not in a good way. And that's what I was about to get to. Like, MF Doom has told some, like, some poison stories as well. And, like, he's tied some crazy, like, metaphor stuff within, within his songs as well. As long as they intense rhyme schemes. So, like, talking about, like, pure skill and technical ability, I do think MF Doom is a better rapper than Freddie Gibbs. Right. But we're talking about, like, being a better artist and being able to, yeah, be, be able to produce and engrossing music, engaging music that keeps your listener engaged and keeps them like interested and invested in what you're doing. Because I'm not listening to Freddie. Yeah, I'm not listening to him for the technical skill. I'm listening. To, I'm just more impressed by the presentation of the music, and that's and that's why I think that separates like Freddie Gibbs from Eminem. Doom. I think Freddie Gibbs is a, is a superior artist. I would much rather listen to a, a Freddie Gibbs song than an MF Doom. But if you told, but 
Imam Abdul definitely has his bag is a little bit deeper when it comes to like the technical aspect of rapping. But I get maybe we'll get a um a, MF, a new MF Doom song just because Freddie talking all this shit. Yeah, I think Freddie talking all this shit. I don't, I don't, I don't do so I... <laughs> Doritos, 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 hey, Cheetos. It's all the MF Doom people. Like I'll, 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 I'll say that they gotta be like the funniest thing ever because whenever people mention MF Doom, it's the first thing that comes to everybody's mind. Because like he he says so he just says so much within a song that you can't. There's nothing else to pinpoint in this music, but that's like the that's like yeah, the most yeah. iconic part of his discography, which I think is kind of hilarious. Seeing how, but let me go into let's go into the first basketball topic of the um of the evening. I want to talk to you about the Hawks and the Pelicans, both budding fran the Hawks and the Pelicans, both budding franchises in the NBA. You got the Pelicans in the West with Zion Wilson, one of projected to be one of the greatest basketball prospects of all time. You have also, with the young talent that came from L.A. and Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, they have Drew Holiday. They have a guy. You got a young guy. What's it? Jackson Hayes? Is that who it is? Yeah. Jack yeah, Hayes. Jackson Hayes. Don't, he look, don't he forget now, N.A.W. Oh, yeah. Uh, Nicola Alexander Walker. Shai Gilders Alexander's um, yeah. cousin. He looked amazing in Summer League. Like, he's, he's, he was hitting step-back threes, diamond up um, Hayes. Like, they both look incredible. Like, you know, relative to Summer League. By Summer League standards, they look incredible. They look like they had no business being out there. As in, they as in they were too good to be out there. They have a treasure trove of young talent. Not to mention, David Griffin has acquired a bunch of first-round picks and swaps from uh, various teams, including uh, the Lakers, for the next five, eight years, probably. And then on the other on the other end, we got in the East, we have uh, the Hawks featuring Trey Young, who seems to be easily be one of the best shooters ever in the NBA already. Like he's projected in that in that um direction. We got Kevin Huerta, who's a really great shooter. We get, they have um they managed to snag what's that guy named from Duke? Cam Reddish. Yep, Cam Reddish. They managed to get Cam Reddish. They got DeAndre Hunter. Uh, and there's somebody else. Oh, John Collins. John Collins has been a power forward, man. And his ceiling can only get higher as he continues to shoot threes. He actually improves his shooting this season. It was, he's, he's, he's going to be something special. And he's also a great defender at that. And so they just, they just loaded with young talent. And I think they like next season, due to all the maneuvering they've done, they're going to have like, they're going to have two max contract spots. Granted, there's nobody worth two max contract spots next season. But with that kind of cap, you can sign some very good veteran role players, kind of like you know, like a like a like a like a Bojan like Madanovic or something like that. So, yeah. as long as your talent, those young players like Trey Young and them become better, like that's that's something to work with. So my question is this: Who, if you were a GM, you or you know just a fan of the league, what's the team that you would pick to you know follow for like the next ten years? Would you make yourself a Pel? Would you side with the Pelicans? Or the Atlanta Hawks. So, so if I had to pick, uh, I think the choice is pretty easy. Uh, I got three reasons that I would go with the Pelicans. For one, okay. I think there's just more talent there, and especially, especially with Zion, if he can pan out to be, you know, what people think he can actually be, I think, I think the talent difference is just going to be much greater in New Orleans. 
And I'll, uh, so that would be one reason. And also, the second reason is, is not only is that team young and good, but they also have some nice veteran pieces around them. And so that team will probably mature much faster than the, the Hawks team will, just because they'll probably get playoff experience if they are if they manage to make it in the West. I, this, that would be tough. But uh, they may manage to get playoff experience. And if not, they'll have some tough games down the stretch where they will feel like playoff games. And also um, – they just, they, I mean, they got J.J. Redick over there. They got Drew Holiday, some guys who, you know, have kind of been battle-tested. So, you know, along with them being more talented and also them having – and also them uh, being – they're gaining more experience. I, I also feel like that team is going to be much better defensively. And that team is – they have guys over there who are not only capable of defending but love defending. Like, you can see the passion that Zion plays with. And that – Oh, yeah. Uh, and when Lonzo is engaged, and when uh, Drew Holiday is engaged, and you know you can see you can see the passion in Jackson Hayes. You know you can see those oh. guys. You can see those guys over there. Yeah. When when they want to play defense, they are you know they they can they probably could hold a team to ninety points in the NBA today. So yeah, I, yeah I Brandon Ingram's pretty good that. too. What was that? Brandon Ingram's pretty good oh, defensively yeah, too. And 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 even if he's not good, he's like six nine. He's super long. So you know. Uh, that that team, I could see that team. I see that team being, you know, a powerhouse in the in the West, especially with the picks they have coming up. I think I think I would definitely go with the Pelicans over the Hawks for the next few years. I'm gonna say it all hinges on what Zion projects to be, yeah. because I I honestly at this point I cannot see anybody on that on that roster being the best player on a really really good team except for Zion. I can't like I I think is. Brandon Ingram can get better, but I still just don't see it because he's not much of a creator for other yeah. people. Zoe still, his his shooting is still very suspect. He still can't hit threes. He still don't shoots be like a pass first guard. You got to surround him with players. Exactly, you need a lot of scoring and shooting, which that's what other guys can be. But I don't think he can be your best player either. I think he could be like a good complimentary second, third best player on your team. And so yeah. Bi can't be that. Brand, uh, Zoe can't be that. I don't see Hayes being that, because, even though he's a good player. Uh, no, in a, you know, you know, no. Alexander Walker. He, <laughs> I don't, I know it's too early to tell exactly what he'll be, but he shows like he'll be a promising backup point guard, possibly even starting point guard in the future uh, after Drew's gone. And uh, so they need Zion to be that guy. And yeah, even if Zion doesn't become like this generational talent, if he becomes at least Blake Griffin good. Then yeah, I think I think that's what we're, I think we got something special in New Orleans. Yeah. I'm gonna play devil's advocate, and I'm just gonna say I'm gonna say Trey Young. I'm gonna say I'm gonna take the Hawks and Trey Young go. because in this league you just want to have players that can kill you on the outside. The Pelicans, the, the one thing they do like is shooting. The one thing that the Hawks have is plenty of is shooting. And Trey Young is just like a Steph Curry player, and not just that he shoot threes. He's one of the players that, can, that you want to play with because he can play without the ball, he can move without it, and he can create for others to get other people going. So with all those wings that he has on his team, from Hunter to Reddish to uh, Collins to uh, Huerta, and then possibly those players they can bring in next year to veteran players in the future, like Trey Young's going to elevate all their games. By creating, by dishing out dimes and creating better opportunities for all of them, and he doesn't, and his his play style doesn't really keep them. Like he could, with him being able to play without the ball allows them to be great players too, and that can actually maximize him. It's the tough part is like Lloyd, like their head coach, figuring out how to get all of them 
like working kind of like the window state and like the mode of Golden State Warriors. But I think the pathway for them being great is there. It might not, they might not get there. They might have reached their pinnacle as fast as the Pelicans, but I see their heights possibly being higher than the Pelicans simply because they have a lot of great shooters and perimeter players. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to take the Hawks. Uh, yeah, I was, I'm going with the Atlanta Hawks for two reasons, two reasons only. I think the Cam Reddish and Trey Young are going to be superstars in this league. I think with them being in the East, they got a better chance to get into the playoffs and get playoffs experience first. And even though I think the Pelicans have more talent, the one thing I got to put – one thing I have to put over the Hawks is that all of those young players – they have no choice but to grow. With the Pelicans, it's so much talent on their team. If Lonzo doesn't work out, you you already you already you already got you already got Nall behind them. You still got Drew. So if one of those players don't necessarily work out, you can easily trade them for a package. You know, for another type of player. But with yeah. the Atlanta Hawks, that's a young core that has to win and lose together. And I, I'm gonna say I'm, I'm not gonna say they're gonna be the Thunder, but they that's that's what they kind of remind me of. Oh, wow. Cause you got a young team full of high Potential ah, players. What's the word? High potential players who could be off. You know who, who you know who could really put up numbers in the NBA and score. And even though I like the Pelicans, I think they're gonna be a fast running gun team. Kind of like how the older, even like 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 how Blake and DeAndre were, but with better pieces around them, younger. But I'm putting all. If I had to put all my eggs in one basket, I'm going with the Hawks. Yeah, like I said, the Pelicans is like I, that's a great team if they if it resembles like that Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, uh, Lob City era. But the problem becomes the perimeter play. They need they need like that dynamic perimeter player. <laughs> and as of right now, I don't know if Zion oh, can be that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they got Riddick. I mean, is it, no, Riddick does not count. Riddick definitely <laughs> yeah. doesn't count. And that's and that's the thing about it. In the future, I don't know. I don't know if Zion. Got to say, though, no one reason why I got to pick the Hawks over the um, uh, Pelicans is that even though I think Zion is going to be great, I think his development is going to be way slower than Trey Young's was. Yeah, because. To be honestly, I think he's gonna be impactful just because he's he's how high his motor is, being able to rebound, uh, just being a force and strength wise. But in in order to be like that guy in this league, you got to be able to be you know unless you're like Giannis, but Giannis is like ridiculously big, like even as big as crazy athlete as Zion is. Giannis is like, like I almost, I don't say twice that, but you know, Giannis is a freaking nature himself. Yeah, but being like seven foot tall and being able to extend over people, like Zion's gonna be going up against some centers who are actually taller than him. Actually, yeah, actually way more than him. Like Giannis, for instance. So he's gonna, so he's gonna have to develop some real perimeter-oriented style of play, especially since nobody else in his team can actually like shoot threes and off the dribble and then like. What is he like six seven? Yeah, like six seven, six. I think he's grown to six eight. It seems like. He was recently like six six. I think he got like six eight, six nine, maybe. So he's like a six eight, six nine power forward slash I think, I think um, six, nine, center. Three. Yeah, it's, it's probably a stretch. I want to say that though. I still, I still wish Atlanta would got that number one pick though, because he would have been, um, he would have been, he would have fitting real nice in Atlanta. Yeah, because cause it wouldn't, it wouldn't matter if he learned how to shoot because everybody else on the team's a shooter. Man, can you imagine Trey Young and Zion Williamson on the fast break? What a crazy! That's a scary sight. With John Collins on the floor on the other side. Oh man! Oh my god! Yeah. Shout out to Hawks and the Pelicans. They got they got something going. Yeah. Uh, music wise, going uh, changing the page. 
Big Crit finally released his newest album, Crit Is Here. Uh, the follow up to his very successful double disc album, uh, Forever is a Mighty Long Time. From Twitter, we got some pretty negative re- feedback on the album. Core, have you managed to listen to the album? I'm going to keep it real to Chief. I could not finish it. You couldn't finish it? I could not finish it. And I'm going to say this. I ain't got much to say by Crit. But what I will say is this. When you drop an album like Forever is a Mighty Long Time, it is hard to compete against it. And whatever you dropping after that, it's going to be hard to stand next to it. So I'm going to put it that way. I'm going to say I'm this. I'm going to put it that way. For me, it's sound. Well, I think like the, the, the thing that happened here is that I've listened to an interview that he did and like just even like looking at like the, the credits for this album, he gave up a lot of the production reins to other people. <laughs> and he let a lot of other people produce this project for him. And the thing that makes Big Crit, he's kind of like the anti J. Cole, where J. Cole, all J. Cole does is rap on his own beats. And we're like, please, J. Cole, rap on somebody <laughs> else stuff. Big Crit's like the opposite. He just sounds so much. We want on the rap ourselves. Yeah. Big Creature sounds so much more authentic and real on his own production. This album sounds like a tale of two crits. It sounds like it sounds like this album sounds like Big Crit on half of it, and the other half sounds like a guy who's trying to be Big Crit on the other half. Yeah. Like he's used like he there's production that sounds like something Big Crit rap over, and he's throwing in like southern jargon, like yeah, mass mashed potatoes and peas on Sunday with my grandma. Like he's throwing his stuff like that. <laughs> Sound country, but and it isn't really, it really sticking. I don't know where he was like. He was like, "Listen, to old black woman names anime." But I'm like, "Who? Do, I, do, is your grandma's wow. name really anime?" Like, yeah, uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's it sounds forced in some of those aspects, and just don't come off. Don't roll off the tongue as real and soul. It's like this album was missing soul on a lot of it. Like on certain songs, like uh, "Families Matters." What was that song towards the beginning? I've been make uh I've been waiting to make it easy, definitely. Like those sound like authentic trick crit. Cr- I thought you about to say you like didn't authentic- like what I was about to say. No, 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 no. Family Matters, I've been waiting, and um the other song you mentioned. Those sound like authentic crit tracks. And they sound like him. But then on songs like Addiction, which isn't a bad song, it just don't sound like something big crit would make. Yeah, and that, and that's cool because it's good to expand your range and stuff, but only when you're capable of it. Like, I, like we talk, me and Corey talk about this all the time, where artists got to start switching up and do things different, and we and we applaud them for doing it. But not all, not all rappers are capable of it. Look at like Pusha T. Pusha T has stayed within the same mold as far as like production for the most part and rapping style for decades. Like he doesn't try to make those stadium music or like big records. And we appreciate it. Yeah, and we appreciate it. He double downs on what he does, and he's. You know, bills upon it, and after Big Crit left Def Jam, and he was like talking to the interview, saying like, oh, yeah, I'm so glad to be free of Def Jam." They were forcing me to make records I didn't want to make, but now, but now that I'm um, free of Def Jam, independent, I can finally produce all my music like I want to. I don't have to worry about no outside producers like meddling with my stuff, and I'm able to make the record, the country, you know, the country style records that I've been, I think is right, and that's what made Forever Time what time so great. And what does he do? This. Yeah. He, well, he brings okay, in- hold on. Well, you got to think about because I don't, I don't think anything on this album is bad. No. I just think he did the thing. Oh, no, no, no. is, it's not bad. It's just not. Yeah. But like, it ain't him. Crit, fam. Yeah, I know. But like, the thing is, like, before I get to like my opinion on the album, like, 
I think that like when you said like this doesn't really sound like crit. I think that like the last album when he got off Def Jam, he wants to make the music he wants to make, and it was so very crit. But you got to think about like yeah. how fun was that fucking album performed for like an entire like two years? That doesn't sound like nah, yeah, you're right, fun. You're right. Like it felt like this was the album where I feel like crit was trying to have fun while also staying himself because like the single was perfectly fine. I like I like when like the rappers come back from a little hiatus with the single with all the horns and shit. Like middle child, if it was good. You know that kind of a that kind of a thing, like especially like like when they talk their shit, and you know, Crit may have been like the pinnacle of his career at this last album. So now he's like want to come back with a triumphant noise talking shit. But this album, I think Crit ran into the problem that all of our favorite high quality top tier rappers do, which is when they're itchy to make the formulaic song because that's probably what they listen to more music than they make. Like I don't think that like these rappers that we love for like the lyricism listens to like low end theory like 24 7 like that like they're listening to what's happening so like they hear what's happening on the radio like dang that sounds kind of fun to make that sounds really fun to perform and then like like i feel like he had the same moment on this album that that the kod moment his damn moment like drake on kmt from what album was that more life where these high-end rappers say, hey, I can do that, but I can put a really cool twist on it so it's not just like them, but I sound like more lyrical and blah, 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 blah. But then we either don't notice the little twist or we don't give a fuck, and it's like, hey, you kind of sound like like Lil Pump. It never works. It pretty much works. Yeah, pretty much you try to sprinkle his country charm on those kind of records like addiction and stuff like that. But the problem me is that we don't, we love Cole. I mean, we love, you know, we love crit for his country. Yeah. For, being crit. yeah. for being crit. Like we don't, we love him because he's so authentic and so, you know, so Southern. So when he tries to intermix those other elements into his music, it just doesn't come across that well. And like you said, like these, these songs, there's hardly any songs in here that I would call objectively bad. They're, most of them are just kind of forgettable because they aren't doing anything yeah. special. Even his rapping to that point, like there's there's a few songs where I feel like there's a couple of songs where I think his writing is on point. Those songs we talked about, where he's like, you know, he he said, you know, where I feel like his, his writing is on point, where he's um actually saying something that actually grabbing my attention and pulling me in, like just small lines here and there. I'm like, okay, that's that was hard. Oh, like okay, that was slick. Okay, crit, I see you talking your shit. But then the rest of the time on these other records, it just really feels like he's just rapping just to take up space on the record. And it's not bad rapping. It just feels like he's just rapping too for the sake of rapping. Kind of like what Cole was talking about with like Freddie Gibbs earlier, where he said Freddie Gibbs like on the track, he was going out his way to be a better rapper on every song. Like he was either competing with himself, his past self, or the other rapper next to him. Big Chris sound like he was just on the track. Like, okay, I need 16 bars. I'm about to just rap. Let's go. Yeah, just... Crit complete song. is doing something on this album that we're really not used to for, for him because like when I hear Crit, Crit is like my saving grace every two years because I'm not I don't necessarily listen to like the most southern hip hop even though this is my favorite music to listen to but I just don't necessarily have those artists. Now I'm differentiating yeah. between southern trap and like southern like Crit type music. Yeah. Um, and uh, Crit usually he gives us like bars he is our southern new yorker but in this this album he gave us a lot of the the stop start flow like the he gave us a lot of that like especially through like the middle bits of the album and that's where it kind of lost me because the first five songs i was like hey you know i really don't i don't see what twitter was talking about really and then we got to the middle he was like there was a lot of pauses and crit doesn't usually take pause he usually just goes 
And that's yeah. exactly what Freddie, Freddie was just going on his album. So you could just hear yeah, the not stop. I, I know, I know I'm not too mad upset because Critic gave us a wonderful album the last time. I know we all know what Crit is capable of. Amen. I feel like you, like you said, Delon, this is just, I was talking to somebody else on Twitter and it's like, all this seems painfully obvious what he should have done. So why didn't he do it? And the thing is, we might not know his his other intentions were. Like, I don't think he was trying to make a song for radio. I don't think he was trying to make stadium music. Delon, I think you summed it up best. I think Crit just wanted to make some fun music. And he said to himself, this is a fun style of rap right here. I'm going to just take it, put my country spin on it, and it's going to be big Crit. But it just turns out that adding those extra elements kind of diluted what makes the crit special and it just sounded off for the entirety of the project so i think he aimed to be fun while being crit and it just didn't turn it just didn't pad out well and although and i still that, have like a lot of songs to hear probably about four or five i'll say four or five i'll listen to it again i'll go back to a couple of them yeah. there's i don't think it's yeah. a bad album i think it's i just think it's like there's a lot that could have been done angle, and i know his angle stunt angle stunt i'm gonna call it me it because there's not a lot of songs on it's because it's like four or five, it's like four or five songs I really love, but there's so many of them that I'll yeah. never bother to listen to again. And if it's it's the issue with him saturating it and making it like 20 songs long, like that's hard to do. Like, like if it was like 10, I would have been cool. Yeah, I actually would have been too. And that goes back to what makes Forever's Mighty Long Time so special was the execution. Like every song felt like it was necessary. Like it felt like that song had to be on the album, otherwise the album wouldn't have been the same. So many songs are here felt like it didn't have to be here. Like he, like it, they yeah. it didn't add enough to the entire project that it the, the project would have suffered if it wasn't there. It was like eight songs like that. How did y'all feel about? Uh, well, Cole, you didn't make it to it. Jordan, how did you feel about um, Mississippi, the last track on the album? I'm be honest with you. I don't. I'm be honest with you. But one, at that point, I think I might. Yeah, it's it, it sounds really. Was, it's the one that's like he's like really like rapping over like jazz. Like it's like jazz at that point. Yeah. Yeah, it's I don't know. It's not I, even like I, jazz. I was like jazz. I wasn't really crazy about it, in all honesty. Okay. Like, like the the better songs, I like the songs I really liked, and I was like, I'm gonna listen to this again. It was more towards the beginning, like you said, maybe like two in that ten to twenty song range. I yeah. really like, but I don't really just remember being crazy about Mississippi. I had to go back and listen yeah. to it. All I know is I'm gonna I'm gonna play. I've been waiting. I'm playing Make It Easy. I'm going to play Prove It with J. Cole. That was a good J. Cole feature. Have y'all noticed that J. Cole, every like J. Cole feature, he always like, points out the most ordinary shit. Like, on well, the song 21 Savage, he's like, yeah, 21's kids are in the studio. And on this song, he's like, yeah, I had a fan. She's really cool. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> Hope you're doing great out there. Hey, let's, let's link up. There's always some regular ass shit. And then also Mississippi, I'll play that again. But other than that, I look yeah. I'm saying, well, I didn't like that. I didn't like that J. Cole song. I liked it until he got and, to that part. And, it was weird. I, now what's it is, I didn't like it simply because of everything Crit was doing on the song. Like I didn't like what Crit was doing on that song. I didn't. I didn't like his parts. Like Cole, Cole versus a Cole verse. It was what we what you expect from a J Cole feature. It was good with random bits of um randomness. But like I didn't. I really didn't like Crit's aspect of it. Shout out to Claudia, J Cole's first friend. I think that was her name. Also, also, it was just so strange that Crit had Saweetie on this album. Like, out of like, like there's so many different. Hey, hey, like, Crit is progressive. He is progressive, and he is involved with the women. Man. <laughs> it, it's just, it's just Man, so. The is right down the street, and he calls. Listen, I'm gonna be honest. I think Sweetie called Crit and said, "Here, I got one." Rather than Crit saying, "Hey, I need that one. I need Jesus that Sweetie, Lil Wayne." I think it was a and the song. 
And her, I'm gonna say this: her her contribution to the song was actually good. It's just so like it makes me, it makes me wonder what. Like, why? Wow, like, there's so many different artists you can add. If that you know, was her so album, there would have been no problem. It just sounds really weird yeah. on Crit's album. Yeah. On a Crit album, yes. You know, like Yellow Beezy is cool, but I never thought, oh man, Crit and Yellow Beezy would go cool. Just Coleman. They'd be fine together. Like, never... Hey, this, this ain't what we, this Crit ain't what we studio. wanted. Yeah. Crit, little pump, you know, that's it's a J Cole moment. You know what I'm saying? Man. Guap Dad, you know what I'm saying? Cut up. He could have called Meg. He could have called Max O'Cream. He could have called the baby. He could have called YBN Cordae. It was so <laughs> many artists he could have put on this album. And he was like, oh, I want some weed and yellow music. Why? Why? That was a Rico Love. Man, he could have put any of the YBNs yeah, on it. it. It really wouldn't have made a difference at this point. Oh yeah, Rico. Oh yeah, Rico. Look, I, I, I don't know, fam. I don't know either. What was Lupe? What was Lupe? Lupe always. Lupe usually come through, give them a five verse. They make a hot song together. Every like every other album. Any, eh. almost like, this actually this reminds me of FM. And even though I went crazy by FM, I couldn't be mad at it because it was short. If you take a <clears throat> risk like this, make it short. Don't give me twenty songs of this. I mean, it was give me ten. Too. Short, like the album was short, but twenty songs is something. Man, but man, I mean, it was fifty-five. Those, uh, the, the me, it, it was fifty-five minutes exactly. long, but it was twenty different. Give, tracks, give me so. ten songs. Give yeah. me eight songs. Rashad sound like the old niggas on on the skits. By the way, he sound just he sound just like Rashad. <laughs> Core after this album, or <laughs> listen to Mississippi. <laughs> he do, and then like he go do. like the last three minutes of the track, and it's just like two old dudes talking. And it sounds exactly like Rashad. Like some Delta, like some Delta niggas. But I feel oh, bad yeah. for a Mississippi boy, but I don't feel bad because I know Chris gonna bounce back. And he's a he's a superb he's a superb artist. His track record is, is is it shows that yeah, this is just a blip on the radar. He's bound to make something better next time. So ain't no big deal. Shout out to Big Crit, Mississippi legend. We're rooting for you. Uh, next topic up, I want to talk to y'all about resting in the NBA. Kawhi Leonard went through a tear yeah. in the East after sitting out. I think he sat out like 22 games, not because he was hurt, just sat out for like low management, just so he'd be fresh for the playoffs. And then he played every, he played, you know, high minutes in the playoffs. He still had like a, had like a lingering injury with his leg. It kind of slowed him down. But for the most part, Kawhi Leonard playing at a level that we don't really see from a lot of players in this league. And his efficiency was more or less just as high as it was in the regular season as it was in the playoffs, averaging like 31 points all the way to a NBA Finals. Does this, does watching Kawhi and watching how the Raptors handle Kawhi make you guys feel like more teams should start resting their stars? Or do you guys think that this is a sign that we should just cut down the number of games in the regular season and allow... uh, and, and allow all our stars in the league to be just like that I don't think when the that playoffs come. They need to shorten the season. What do you guys think? I just think that in the past few years, as they try to like make more rules about resting players, they've gotten a little anal about it, and they're trying to be way too controlling for a league that says they're very progressive and for the players. Um, yeah. I do think because they made a lot of rules where you can get fined for resting players. I think if it's like not like nationally televised like matchups or something like that then it shouldn't matter as much if they are, like, taking a seat. And I know people, like, buy tickets to see LeBron, but if LeBron's sitting there, going to be a little bit disappointed. But, I mean, come on, that's, that's that man's health. 
And I think the little authoritarian of you need to be playing all the time, no matter what, it, it'll give them a better product in the finals or in the playoffs. I know they were hurting when Kawhi is missing. So I don't know why you would rather have him on like a random Tuesday night than rather have him in May. Well, see, like I said, it's why it's a player's league. The league, the league, you know, thrives off of what fan engagement. So you kind of you don't want people like to feel like I can't I can't go buy a ticket in advance because I don't know if the player I'm planning on go you know go to see that day will actually be there. Because you, you got to think about it. Think about it from this perspective of a fan who doesn't have a lot of money. You spend like three hundred dollars to go see a game that's scheduled in November. November comes, that player's not even there. It's resting. Then the thing, not only that, like I remember there was like one game, like oh yeah, it was like a Spurs versus Heat game, and like Popovich rested Duncan and all the other stars, and the Heat rested all oh, the yeah. players, and it was just it it was like this, it was just, it was like the second stringers playing, and like people said like they paid a lot of money to watch the game. I said you know I understand it from the players' perspective, like they shouldn't have to play if they don't feel like it because it's their health they're concerned about, and they want to be prepared for the actual real deal games. But it just sucks for them. like. Yeah. A fan perspective that they have to shell out money, and then when they get there, there's no way to reimburse it because they came there to see that player, but they had to. I think that the NBA probably would, if you uh, if you if you were in those meetings, I think they would value having the important playoff player than rather having that couple of fans in Oklahoma City get mad because Carl Anthony Towns wasn't playing that game there. Yeah, but I think you are right though, and that would make me mad. I did. I remember I've gone to two Pelican games, and one of those games, Anthony Davis wasn't playing unannounced. It wasn't an injury kind of situation. I think it would be better if maybe you say, "Hey, you can rest a player for load management once every two weeks," but you have to sell us two weeks in advance, something like that. Let's see, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's fair. Like actually, if you like actually give the load management schedule prepared ahead of time. And say, yeah, these are the games we need to pay this player not to play on like the game. Two like, games a month. Way ahead of you time. have to tell us this far but, in advance. I think that would be beneficial. It gives you time to sell your ticket, blah, 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 blah. Well, the NBA said that like their rule was look, you can rest players, but rest them at home. Don't rest them on away games. Rest them at home because your fans get to see them all the time. But if you like, but for like LeBron James to go all the way from LA, they go to the East Coast, he going to New York. You only go see, they only, he's only going to yeah. be there once the entire season. So please allow him to play that game. Don't rest him on that game. Rest him when you're on that back-to-back at home where, you know, Laker fans can see him, all, you know, 41 different times rather than the Licks only can see him once, which is reasonable. But this year, I don't think I don't think the league too much had a problem with Kawhi. They had a problem yeah, with Anthony Davis because he was perfectly healthy. And they weren't low-managing him. They were just scared to and play him because he might get hurt. When, but it was like yeah. – yeah, they'll, they'll try to protect him as an asset more so than try to protect him. Because Anthony Davis weren't going to go to the playoffs. Well, he could have tried, but they but the league saw that, okay, y'all tra- y'all are doing this to tank. That's the, that's my problem with low management. Y'all y'all are um, – let Anthony Davis sit out so y'all can get a better draft, a draft pick and so that he's protected as an asset. But that doesn't benefit us, like you said, like letting the Kawhi risk so you have a better product when the um, playoffs come. That was – that's I think that's why the – NBA was mad in that instance. I think that the league should. I'd hate it because I love I love basketball so much. I love all eighty two games. I do think that maybe they should just shorten the schedule because if the stars are playing their best, if they play sixty two games, well then shit, they should just play sixty two games, and then there's there's the, you know there's the, there's the solution. And down to that, that means every player in the league is fresh for the playoffs. 
not just those stars who get who get to sit out 20 games. Now everybody's gonna be performing at the best of their ability. So I think that yeah, the league should probably look into shortening this season. 82 games does seem a bit excessive and a little bulky. You don't really need all 82 games to evaluate your team. 62, t- 62 games should be fine. That's a little bit after the All-Star break, I think. So, yeah, they could cut it off probably in March and start the season. That's what I think. Okay, I was about to say. So, Cam, what do you um, think? I don't think the resting thing is that big of an issue. And I, something, so something that um, – Something that you were saying is shortening the season. I just don't see that happening. You know, just for financial reasons, this, the the it's about the business. It's about the money. You know, they'll they'll probably never shorten the season just simply for the fact of making more money. Unless you were to shorten the season and charge more for each, per each game, but and but then that may you know lower fans' chances of coming to games because they've gotten used to for so long paying this certain you know this. X amount for tickets, and now we're getting charged more. But you know, I think Kawhi Leonard and Anthony Davis' situation were both very extreme. With one Kawhi coming off of, you know, he wanted to be extremely cautious. One because the Raptors, the Raptors, and him wanted to be extremely cautious because he knew he was coming off that major injury, and he didn't know how he, he how he was going to respond because he never had had an injury like that. And also, the Raptors knew that they only had him for one season, so they wanted him to be fresh when it mattered the most. And and um, with Anthony Davis, like you yeah. said, you know, they were just trying to protect him as an asset. So I like, and outside of that, you know, we got we get we get a few games here and there where you know. LeBron doesn't play or, you know, K I don't even know if KD does the load management thing, but you know Yeah, but we get we get a few nah, games here don't. and there where we get stars that rest. But as a whole, I don't think the resting is a huge issue. Like I said, I think both cases last year were no. um were extreme cases. And I saw I saw a tweet that you made that, you know, uh Kawhi and Paul George are probably gonna play about thirty three minutes a game. They the load management won't be that big of a deal this season. So so I feel like so I feel like it's probably not that big of a deal, and I feel like it's just something that because of what happened last season, people are kind of overreacting to it. Yeah, can I? I completely understand what you're saying. And going back to like the resting thing, I said this thing about resting in the NBA is it's kind of a yeah, luxury yeah. for the best teams in the league. If you're like if you're the Pistons, you can't afford to let Blake Griffin sit out 20 games like the Raptors could. 20 games and still be the best team in the East. You let Blake Griffin, you know, um, rest for 20 games. Is he like, yeah, you're in the lottery. And I think that's why I think it's, un- that's why I say I think shortening, shortening the regular season benefits everybody because those teams at the bottom or even like a fourth, fifth seed, they can now, their best players can now compete in the regular season and don't have to worry about resting. And when they get, and when the straight season's over, they'll be, at t- they'll be at somewhat optimal levels for the postseason. Because right now, Resting is just that's just a that's exactly. a um, first world problem in the NBA. We're only like we're really only like four teams can like actively rest players to the extent that Kawhi didn't like no. the Clippers no. weren't resting players last year. No, niggas were, they were playing every single game. And that and crazy, you know, it's got kind of funny that LeBron asked was resting and doing load management because <laughs> this team was around the same place as the Clippers. That's actually hilarious now. I'm thinking about it, but. I digress. That's a that's a topic for another day. So I think they should hopefully they they find a way to shorten the season. And I know the money incentive, but that's why he's also been trying to put in an end tournament season or maybe like a play in tournament before the real playoffs, just so we can have more games for like the lower seeds maybe, but then give those bigger stars more rest. 
I don't know. It's it's not a it's not an easy thing to do. Maybe maybe I should just keep it as it is. Well, and just let players rest more. But like, that's all. Get rid of back to backs. Oh, get rid of back to back games. Yeah, that's another thing too. They could just get rid of back to back games. But by getting rid of back to back games, you make the season even longer. So you probably have to start earlier and end later in order to get rid of back to back games. Which I, which the league has been doing, they they pushed the beginning of the season up a little bit. They shortened the preseason, made regular season start sooner, so they can get eliminate more back to backs. But they, in order to get rid of all of them, the season probably starting like September, which I have no problems with. But you know, players, that's such a shorter off season for the players. They might not like it. But all right, it's time for everyone's favorite segment. It's time for who's wilding. Well, Cord gives us someone news who's been wild and beyond prepared this week. Cord, who do you have? Well, for this week of Who's Wilder, I have a double feature set up. And it was one of my own co-hosts tweet that made me change my mind about my original topic. It was Delon. Oh, yeah. And the topic, it, it was not Iggy Azalea. You, you probably don't even remember this tweet. It was you talking about none other than former NBA, now NBA outcast, Dwight Howard. Mm. Dwight Howard did with Christine Leahy, and in the interview, she asked him how did he feel about Kobe Bryant calling himself. And his response, in my opinion, has to be one of the most brainless responses <laughs> I've ever seen from an NBA player. <laughs> Kobe Bryant Howard left the Lakers after one disappointing season and went to the Houston Rockets. Him and Kobe got into it, and Kobe called him soft. So I know y'all remember that game. What do y'all? Yes, yes, yes. What's the first thing that went to y'all mind? He right. And what did you think he meant when he said soft? Oh, he meant that uh, he meant that, you know, he just ain't got killer instinct. Word to Kobe Bryant. You know, he, he's saying that Dwight can't bang in the post. And how old were you Weak. when he said that? Yeah. Yeah. Probably 16. I was 26. <laughs> they had that yeah. been six years ago. So Dwight is 32. Yep. It took him six years to realize that Kobe was calling him mentally weak and soft. So in the interview, he <laughs> said that he spent all those years thinking that Dwight, that Kobe was calling him fat by saying his body was soft. <laughs> we talking about 16, what? 50, mass muscle, defensive hound superstar Dwight Howard. It took him six years to realize that Kobe was calling him mentally weak when his entire career, his only criticism was that he was mentally weak. When I heard that, Are you serious? I'm gonna say this, man. I like Dwight. I I came for the for Dwight revival arc every single season. Not this year. I'm done, fam. I can't do it no more. I was so heated when he said that. I ain't never seen the NBA player do an interview and sound dead slow. How it take you six years? To realize that he was calling you mentally weak. You forced your way out of Orlando and went to the Lakers and said, Hey man, I'm gonna be here. I don't care what the challenge is, I'm gonna do it. Then as soon as it got rough, you ran to Houston. Then when you went to Houston, that didn't work out, you ran from Houston. Then you went to Atlanta. You ain't like it in Atlanta, they ain't like you. They ran you out of Atlanta. Then you went to Charlotte, you ain't like it there. They ran you to Washington. Then you went to Washington and they ran you out of there. How does it take you six years to realize? Is not the physical, it's the mental. Your entire career 
beer. You have refused <laughs> to improve on your weak ones, and you refuse to listen to any of your critics. And now you waiting until you at the point in your career where nobody wants to deal with you to say, oh, y'all, I finally get it now. Now I understand. If you had said this in 2012, your career could have went completely different, man. Uh, now he's saying this. I say Dwight is saying this now because he know he realized that nobody wants to even take a fly on him. Nobody wants to give nobody even wants to give Dwight the minimum. So he has to say, you know what? I get it now. You guys were always right. I'm just mentally weak. Now I'm a better player. I'm a team <laughs> guy. I'll do anything y'all tell me to do. I'll be Draymond Green. I'll be the garbage man. I'll just play defense. I'll get players involved. I'll be that lovable oaf that everybody that everybody loves. Just put me on your team, please. Please. It's like it, that's, it's that's, put, that's it's right pathetic, now. fam. It like 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 I, I, I really hate to say it, like it's put like it's it hurt me to see this. I'm gonna say that even though I love laughing at Melo, at least Melo left with some self respect. At least Melo wasn't just begging for a spot. Not nah, Melo the crib. He chilling. I'm not. I'm not. Oh, he's somebody. Lie, it's, wow! Wow! <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, bro. When you said he had a misinterpretation you know of what he meant by soft, I thought that was going a totally different direction. I thought that was going Jesus to- Christ. <laughs> now, Cam. I thought that was going a totally different direction. I thought it was too. I know. I know the interview. He talked about how those comments about people saying gay. gay hurt. You know, hurt them mentally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. Oh, yeah, said all this stuff hurt him mentally and had him like locked inside his house. And yeah, yeah. I thought you were going in that direction. Come on, I th- man. I, I think I say. I like. I think I say, I, I think I say that he Kobe would call him gay. Yeah, I, I thought you were going to say. I thought you say. I thought Kobe was calling me gay. Then I'm gonna say this, man. If it's anything, what? Can't crack jokes about other people's sex lives is Kobe. Too soon. Yeah, yeah. Well, on to the second topic. I, yeah, we, yeah, yeah, fam. The second topic is ASAP Rocky. ASAP Rocky went to the <laughs> nice, luxurious socialist country mm. of Sweden and decided to nick it up and to get in a fight in the middle of the street <laughs> with a couple of citizens that he claimed were following him. Is it true? I don't know. I really don't care. I live in America. I got my own issues going on. We got people in cages. More important stuff going on. But I'm going to talk about this anyway. So he gets locked up. And everybody has started the free ASAP Rocky campaign. Have any of you three joined in on the campaign? Have y'all signed in the petitions? Call your legislators, your lawyers, your doctors, anybody, Trump, anybody. Have y'all did under there for ASAP Rocky? No core. Those petitions are going around I saying free ASAP Rocky. Yeah. I have not seen are you, and I, Are you going And I'm going to say what? Part, and part, part of it is because part of it is because I have not actually seen it. So I didn't know if it actually existed. And I kind of, it sounds bad. I hate that a brother I, <laughs> I hate social injustice. But I will say this. The ASAP Rocky comments, and it shouldn't bother me the way it do, but it does. It's kept me from like actively trying to find that petition. Because uh, I'm gonna say this. I'm not it's just it's up because his whole thing was that don't have nothing to do with me. So why should I care about it? And it's it just he wasn't, I just can't he bring wasn't my, even young enough. Really he wasn't even young enough to use that excuse. Yeah, like he was like in his twenty. Like he's like 26, 27 <laughs> when he said that. And that's what <laughs> yeah. like he's older he's than I am. Yeah. He's older than I currently am right now. And like I like he almost 30. Yeah. Like I'm saying, like it Yeah, like it, it pains me. Like I can't 
I can't. I, I really can't go out my way to help somebody like that. And that's that's the bottom line. That might make me a terrible person, but that's just the reality. I'm saying this. ASAP Rocky said that I don't care about these young, broke black people that are being mistreated I'm, because I'm I'm, I'm rich. Beverly Hills. I'll never, I'll never, I'll never have to deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He didn't, but he did. He didn't say, he didn't say them dogs exactly. over there. And... He said, he said, I'm a... <laughs> he said, <"I'm> a... <laughs> Yeah, he's Rocky said, I got money. Y'all don't, so I'm not going to ever have those problems. So why should I Why should I care? Why should, why should I speak up on it? So now that he's in that situation, and I'm broke, I'm a broke boy, man. I'm rich people problems. I'll never be a sweetie, so I ain't worried about it. I'm going to tell you what my problem is with the situation. I'm... I don't even care about what he said in the past. Do I agree with it? No. But did his words move me then? They didn't and they don't now. The reason why I don't care about what Ace of Rocky is, I don't care about him being in jail. It's because he's guilty. Yeah. yeah. Like, if you in America, this is my thing. When he said those, exactly. When he said what he said a couple yeah. years ago, <laughs> he said, I'm not in America. I'm in Europe. I don't know what y'all got going on in America. Well, this is my problem. If you go be in Europe, if you go be in London, you go be in Sweden, Germany, any of those places, you gotta follow the rules and you gotta obey the law. If you go into somebody else's home country and starting fights and beating their citizens, what do you think they was gonna do? You're not in New York, you're not in America. You just can't jump some people and get away with it. It don't work like that over there. You going to jail. Oh, see. But see, the way I understand the situation was the guys were following them, and they said, stop following us, but the guys wouldn't say so beat them up. This this now, my issue. This my issue. Was, if you broke, you got to fight that fight. Ace Rocky had 30 people with him and security. What's the point of having security if you're starting a fight? They... <clears throat> when we were talking about the baby on here a couple no, weeks ago, I said my main issue with the baby is if you got a bunch of security – let them fight your battles. And this my and this my number one problem about Ace Rocky. If this had been any like if like I think he did that fight because he felt like he was gonna win it. They, I, I swear <laughs> to God, I feel like that's why he jumped into. He said, "Man, they look kind of frail. I'm about to hit some wrestling moves on them. I'm finna take this W." And he did. I give him that credit. But now y'all now y'all take the time. You gotta sit in jail. Now hold on. Now hold on. Hold on. My question is this. Is anybody from the ASAP else from the ASAP clan arrested? Like, was he the sole person arrested? That everybody else go what are they talking? Like, I guess so. But it's not. But it's the problem. <laughs> he was the only person on camera we saw fighting. Everybody else is just kind of hopping around. Like he, like he was pulling like her ankle move. He was pulling like her ankle moves in the streets, fam. Like he was the only person. Just in the streets actually fighting. And that's why and that's why I can't feel bad for him. Because not only are you fighting, not only are you not letting your security fight, you getting recorded while you're doing it by your own team. And the number one reason why, why I'm gonna say I'm about to say this, Cord. I'll say this. One thing that does bother me about this whole situation is the fact that Kanye West, Kim Kardashian have put have picked up the red hotline and called Donald <laughs> Yeah, Donald J. Trump. And they said, please, can you free our friend from this jail in Sweden? And, you know, Trump said, all right, cool. You know, Kim, Kim, you know, Kim K and Kanye just got me on the phone and said, hey, can y'all please free I'm this, this. I'm, I'm mad Can y'all please free this young black African-American from I'm y'all jail? This, and, you know, Trump went along with it. So, wait, no, wait. This is, this is my issue with it. Why had they not called Trump and told him just please stop wilding in any other instance? If they, if they could just call that nigga like that and ask him for favors. Why hadn't they asked about the? I would say Kim and Aspen. I'm not saying Kanye though. I, and Kanye hadn't. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna say this. This is my problem with them. Cause with Trump, if I'm gonna say this, if Trump on my hotline and I got favors from Trump, I can't tell him to stop wilding. Cause if you tell Trump to stop wilding, he gonna wild out on you. My issue is this: if Kanye and Kim got ten get out of jail free cards for innocent black people. I'm upset that they wasted it on H.I. Rocky. <laughs> That's my issue. You got Cynthia Brown locked out of G. I sent Brown out of jail. I salute them for that. You got the I was you got like you got like the grandma who got caught with weed. She'd been up for like 20 years. I salute that. I'm upset that they wasted their cloud cards on H.I. Rocky. All the people they could have helped all the people they could have potentially helped in the future. They said man H.I. Rocky helped me out with a lot of songs. I like his swag. I like the fit he got. He inspired me to keep moving. Kim make the call. Why Kim didn't tell him now, fam? <laughs> All the people he could think about this. If you got Trump number on speed out and you can get three people out of jail, are you really wasting it on somebody that's supposed to be there? Uh-huh. <laughs> and then the worst part about it is Trump ain't even got the pool to get him out of jail. That, but like that's what makes it crazy. He not in America. He in Sweden. And I heard like, like I heard he like not, his sentence. It's a nice. Extended. I'm gonna say it's a nice gesture. Oh. Yeah, I I don't know if it was related, but I don't I don't know if it was related, but his but his sentence d- did get extended. Like the um the um the justice system over there was pushing that his sentence actually get extended. I don't know how long it was to begin with. I did y'all. Yeah, Sweden. Have y'all ever heard any bad thing about Sweden in the history of Earth? <laughs> In, in the now look at the neutral on every on every front. Exactly. Socialist country, like 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 they prison systems. No, 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 that's my biggest. You know, I take that. That's my biggest issue, fam. Everybody saying it was injustice. He living in poverty. I was like, he not in the Ukraine. He's in Sweden. He not in Russia. He not in Saudi Arabia. He not in Iraq, Afghanistan. He is in Sweden. Being in Sweden is like it's like a San Francisco or European countries. Like, what can possibly go wrong? Over there? <laughs> like, I'm gonna say this: If I'm running to jail, every time I saw an article saying, "Hey, man, he's living in poverty over there," I'm I'm I'm, I'm adding extra days on this sentence, fam. Hold on, I'm asking this. Wait, when Freddie Gibbs got thrown in that foreign jail, uh, what country was he in? Austria, where it's tough at. Wait, why did it's, it's stressful over there? <laughs> stressful. <laughs> Why the hell did nobody? I, I'm telling you, hey, Austria is a ain't the place you want to get locked up in. Why the? Why the hell did? Why the hell did nobody come to this? Nobody was trying to touch Listen, I got you. The thing about this ASAP thing is, when they were on, when they were talking about how horrible the conditions he was, who was in. Oh my gosh, he eating this for dinner. I had that same dinner that same night. Nigga, get, get used to poverty, nigga. Hey, man. Hey, y'all, can we sign man, a petition to get the Delon better for you? tired of robbing <laughs> water suit. Come I'm going to say, man. Man, I lived in Brown. I stayed in Brown when I was in Austria. Uh, I'm glad I know poverty. I see Ain't no poverty in Sweden, fam. Oh. Keep ASAP Rocky locked up until he learned his lesson. Get your security to beat people up for you. Rappers should know this by now, fam. It's the number one rap rule. I can't feel bad for him. I refuse. Let your entourage take the fall. Exactly. And you paying them. It, 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 and then on top of that, like, it's ASAP Rocky. Like, this ain't, like, this ain't no goon. 
people who get extra points for this. It's ASAP Rocky. He go to fashion shows and wear tight jeans. That's his entire career. Why do you do this? Why you put yourself in this situation? I'm gonna say it's it's safe to say that we'll never have an ASAP member on this podcast. Here's my we'll question. Not. Shout Here's out my question. Which which one is the dumbest fucker? But uh ASAP Rocky getting arrested for beating someone on video in Sweden or I don't know what this Lil Wayne be. getting called on his tour bus with a gun and no one else in Von Strauss taking the fall and ownership of the gun. Yeah. <laughs> that one. That Lil Wayne one. Man. Yeah, Lil, Lil Wayne one. They, they Lil passed Wayne that bus. One. Lil, Lil Wayne one. Looked around Lil Wayne. Like, None of y'all. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. He said, no. <laughs> that was, that was no. <laughs> Man. Hold on, oh, 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 I thought you were going to bring up Maxo Cream. Bro, I remember his head. I thought you were going to bring up. Oh, my God. Hey, explain, oh, explain the laws. Explain the chords, love. the music video. He had, like, everybody put it on social media, blah, 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 blah. But they were strapped at this music video. They had the AKs. They had the ARs. Oh. They had the ABCs. Nigga, they were strapped. The ABC. They had the RPGs. Thing is, they shot the video on a kindergarten <laughs> playground. Oh my god! While in, oh. in like in like October, like school, like school. Jesus hey, the police came out the next day. They arrested every single person in that music video. Like not at the scene, but they went to everyone's house and arrested all of those people. It was like thirty people. Because they, because they, they, oh they was in a non gun zone with Why guns. And... I ain't gonna even touch it. I ain't gonna even say that. Ultimately, law. Oh my ultimate, god! Ultimate, that video still up. I saw it on. I, 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 I saw it on saw like three weeks ago. I passed over. Oh hi, hi, hi! This was funny. That video is still up. God, damn. <laughs> if y'all pull a little Nas X put out a cute little animation video, free my niggas. Oh, did he rap his? I really want to know. He said, "You know, we... <laughs> hey, shout out Maxo Cream. He released a project this week, and it was actually better than all the other projects that came out. Hey. Make sure I go listen to that. I think it's called Brandon Walker. I think that was the name of the album. I might be tripping. Brandon something, but that's all I got. You guys got uh, anything else? Yeah, shout out to Sweet Fam. Y'all didn't do nothing wrong." Shout out to our homie Brandon over at the New Faces podcast. Gave us a really great shout out last week. Also, make sure you buy our shirts. We got them. Look on our Twitter DM us. They twenty dollars a pop. We got the colors for the Lolo. Uh, so something. Uh, the, the, my only closing thought is that the Suns recently signed Jared Harper to a two way contract, and I actually distinctly remember yeah. watching Jared Harper play when I was at an Ole Miss game. And he was easily, and he was easily probably the, the fourth best player on the floor in an SEC basketball game, which is probably one of, if not, if not the worst top five basketball conference, yeah. one of the worst. So you know, uh, I just want, I just want to take some take some time to gripe about that. You know, uh, we still still making questionable decisions out here because I saw that the only. The only statistic that Jared Harper led summer league in is minutes. So, <laughs> so niggas uh, out there. So shout out to the Suns for continually frustrating me, and I'm still here. 
So. Please, please go to the waters. I'm begging you. <laughs> Hey, bro, I was I was so certain that Cam about to give us some optimism. I, I think about to yeah, I think this guy, I think about to, I think this guy's the one. I think he gonna no. change everything. Even though I know no. why. No, I no, no, he about no, to no. Well, I'm, I'm, I've, been, I've been optimistic for long enough. At this point, at this point, I'm Suns Nation, baby. <laughs> you gotta, gotta call a spade a spade. Gotta leave. All right. I promise you, we won't lose you. Thank you all for tuning. Thank you all for tuning into the Popular Man Podcast. Tune in next week for another episode of your favorite podcast. See you then.